Hello, Colorado. This is Philip Jordan with I Love Colorado Beer Cast. I Love Colorado Beer is your home for great beer, including t-shirts, koozies, sweatshirts, hats, and much more. Just go to ilovecoloradobeer.com. Today on our episode, we have David at Joyride Brewing. All right, I'm Philip Jordan with I Love Colorado Beer here at Joyride Brewing, and I am with David Bergen. I'm the uh, brewmaster and one of the owners here at Joyride Brewing Company. Excellent. So how many owners are there? Uh, there's uh, three main owners, and then we have a couple of investors. Do they all well. brew? Uh, I'm the head brewer, uh, and they've helped out from time to time, but they usually leave the brewing to me. So tell me a little bit about about Joyride. Uh, well, Joyride uh, has almost been open for a year now. Um, opened uh, July 16th of 2014. Fairly new. Uh, we're right across the street from beautiful Sloan's Lake in Edgewater, Colorado. Uh, fantastic views of the lake and good people watching all times of the year uh, through our six roll-up glass garage doors that we try to keep open as much as possible. Excellent. It's a beautiful area. So why the name Joyride? I see that you're right next door to a bike shop. Is there any correlation there? Um, it just kind of worked out that way. We couldn't have planned it any better, but when we were going under lease with the building, um, the bike shop was going under lease into the building next door, and it just was a very fortunate situation. I think it's cool to have a bike shop next door. And, um, we try to do a couple of partnerships. We do a weekly bike ride together around very the lake cool. where uh, everybody who participates gets happy hour the rest of the day and uh, you know a couple other you know, things there. Uh, so it just really worked out, but the name Joyride uh, really talks about slowing down and appreciating um, life in the moment and you know, kind of the cliched uh, concentrating on the journey instead of the destination, that instead of taking life so seriously all the time, sometimes we just need to calm down and uh, go for a joyride every once in a while. And uh, the, the genesis of the name really came from uh, the movie Moneyball, uh, if you've seen it with uh, Brad Pitt yep. or at the at the end of the movie and for those of you who haven't seen it uh, I'm not giving anything away but he has a big decision he's trying to make and he's listening to a CD that his uh, daughter made for him that she was playing music on and I believe the lyrics were something along the lines of you're such a loser dad why can't you just enjoy the ride uh, so one of our other owners was lit, was watching the movie and he was like oh we should call the brewery life and I'm like no how about joyride <laughs> I nice. think that sounds a little better uh, and uh, surprisingly, uh, out of you know, all the names that we had come up with, um, and, you know, we had probably come up with hundreds and hundreds of names, and sure. you know, they get vetoed at random points. Um, that one surprisingly wasn't taken, and with all the suing going on, I'm trying to think of the right term there, sure. um, going on in the industry right now to not have that one taken uh, was pretty surprising, mm-hmm. pleasantly, and uh, um, so we're. We're happy to, to have it, and I think it fits us very well, especially with our location here across the lake, uh, that uh, sometimes it's just nice to sit down, have a beer, and instead of making plans for tomorrow, you're just celebrating who you are today. Absolutely. So is there a story behind the elephant on the riding the, riding the bicycle? Uh, so our mascot on our logo, uh, the elephant doing a tusk stand on a tricycle, uh, that's Roger. Um, he uh, is actually a real elephant here in the Sloan's Lake uh, area uh, in the uh, early 1900s. So um, way, way back, um, there used to be an amusement park on the north side of, of Sloan's Lake. It was actually the first amusement park west of the Mississippi. And Very it was cool. called uh, Manhattan Beach. Huh. And the uh, story goes that Barnum of future Barnum & Bailey fame, uh, it was the first elephant that he ever purchased and brought back, uh, you know, from... Uh, the other side of the world with them 
and when he wasn't uh, touring the circus, uh, he would uh, winter him here in the park. And he was uh, the biggest attraction here at, awesome. at Manhattan Beach, and he had a, a basket on his back, and he would give rides to, to kids on it. Um, and so um, he's uh, still fairly well-known here in the Edgewater, Sloan's Lake area. Uh, and uh, so we kind of thought it would be a, a, a cool idea to kind of give a tip of the hat to, you know, unique local history uh, and incorporate him into our logo. And for whatever reason, even before I knew who Roger was and that he was part of the local history here, for some reason I just thought that an elephant riding a tricycle would be a fun, you know, just like a fun irreverent logo that also represented the vision that we were going for about, you know, not taking yourself too seriously and slowing down and just going for a ride. And then when we found out that there was a local elephant, you know, to base it off of it, Brilliant. It, it, it just made it a full circle. And, uh, and then uh, I gave the idea of the elephant riding the tricycle to my good friend Matt Dunn, who's our illustrator and graphics guy. And he came up with the idea of having him do a tusk stand on the, uh, on the tricycle. And as soon as I saw it, I said that one. That's awesome. He, he did about five or six sketches of him doing different things, different poses, uh, and uh, and I was like, "That that's the one. Let's let's work on that one." And uh, and then it's grown into uh, the logo that, that we have today. Very cool. That's that's a really cool story. So here we are at Joyride. Where was Joy Joyride before you actually had a location? Did you guys <laughs> brew before? Yeah, when, when people ask me where I brewed before, I tell them I was in my brother-in-law's basement, mm. and they're like, "Oh, where's that?" Like oh, just a couple blocks that way. Actually, <laughs> they, they think Not it's a like move. They, they think it's a, a cool brewery name. Uh, like I had a I had a roommate in college. His uh, band's name was my friend's band. <laughs> who, who you seen tonight? Oh, my friend's band. Oh, who's your friend? Oh, I don't know the guys. You know, that's, that's just the name of the name. Um, thought it was pretty funny. So they think I've, I've worked at a brewery called my brother-in-law's basement. <laughs> but, uh, we, but we started off in my driveway as well as one of our other owners' uh, back porch and garage. Um, and uh, we did that for one full summer alternating locations. And then once the weather started to change, we, we wanted to keep brewing uh, and, but didn't want to be affected by the snow or the rain or the wind or the oppressive heat or anything. Uh, so one of the other owners just recently moved into a house where they had a spare room in the basement. They didn't know what they wanted to do with it. Perfect. So we built a <laughs> brew room down there with commercial-grade walk burners, ventilation system. Wow. Plumbed right into the gas and water line uh, and, uh, you know, tried to essentially make a, you know, a professional small-batch uh, brewery uh, down there to hone in our recipes, uh, you know, improve the consistency of so the product. So were you in a one-barrel system, or were you smaller than that even? Uh, we brewed 10 gallons a week okay. for more than five years. Wow. Uh, and so got to really test a lot of different things and hone in a lot of the different recipes. And a lot of the beers that we have on tap today and, you know, the samplers that we have in front of us are either direct scale-ups of uh, some of our homebrew recipes or slight variations uh, thereof. Uh, so we had a bevy of things to choose from, uh, you know, an entire chest full of things to choose from when, uh, when we opened because we had established recipes that we were happy with. Sure. Uh, and, we, you know, the, the question was just how do we scale this up to, you know, get it to where it tastes the same, you know, a 10-barrel batch as opposed to a 10-gallon batch. Right. Uh, so, so that's where, where we did, and it was, uh, it, it was a, lot of t- a lot of good times down there in that basement. But, so uh, <laughs> what, what did you all do before this? Um, I've worked uh, several different sales uh, positions. Uh, most recently, I was selling cabinets to Home Depot. 
Okay, very different than the brewing industry. <laughs> yes, but uh, what, what it allowed me to do is I was driving in my car, oh, I don't know, somewhere between, I don't know, maybe 3,000 miles a month or something like that, probably more. Jeez. And uh, um, so what I did is I listened to podcasts constantly uh, about brewing. Um, some of it just interviews with brewers, some of it technical information, recipe development, and I would just try to use that time to better myself as best possible uh, to, you know, kind of fill that dead time. So, sure. um, you know, one of the major groups that I listen to, if you want to call them that, is uh, the Brewing Network that has uh, several different uh, podcasts that they do on a weekly basis uh, and uh, would listen to them all just constantly and, yep. you know, just learn, 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 learn. And then when I was at home, I was reading and so... Um, kind of like to think that I gave myself a, an internet education, you know, went to, you know, Brewing Network University in order to uh, become, uh, or, or to grow into the position that, that I'm in right now, uh, and then the whole time applying what I was learning through these podcasts into our batches uh, down there in Grant's basement, and, um, you know, as the years went, went on, the quality of the beer kept getting better, and uh, before we knew it, we're, we're writing a business plan. Do you remember the first beer that you guys ever brewed? Uh, yes. Uh, it was a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale clone. Nice. Uh, and it, it was actually just uh, the other two guys. For, for some reason, I couldn't make it there that day. Huh. Um, and uh, I believe they had something ridiculous, like a 12, 14-hour brew day or something <laughs> like that. And, you know, it made a mess of things. And, um, <laughs> you know, so, someone's, you know, someone in the house wanted to go to bed and, you know, they were making a lot of noise, and um, so we have we effectively yeah, it was actually one of the better brews we made like the first couple months. Excellent, uh, but it was nicknamed disaster. Um, so what we did initially is every single batch we did, we would name it after something that happened during that brew session, and that one got named disaster. The the, the next one though, I believe, was a fat tire uh, clone. Okay. Oh no 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 no. The next one was a dogfish ninety minute clone. Ooh. Nice. Um, then, then we did a fat tire clone, and uh, we did we did clones for the first couple of batches, just because um, we hadn't really taught ourselves the you know the intricacies of recipe development yet. Mm. So, just kind of went the standard route to more teach ourselves the process. Sure. Um, that you know, go with a, a tried and true recipe you know is going to be good, and if it doesn't turn out the way that you expect it to, you can point your finger to the process instead of the recipe. Yep. Um, so we tried to, you know, kind of take a little bit of a scientific approach to it, to take out variables, to nail down where we were being, uh, you know, where things were deficient. Sure. So did you guys go from the 10-gallon system to the 10-barrel system just like that when you opened the brewery, or was what was the transition like for you guys? Yeah, it was pretty much like that. <laughs> it's like, bam, all right, let's start her. Did you guys screw up any batches? <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Today, not a good sign. T- t- today is actually the one-year anniversary of our first batch that we ever did uh, on the big system. Wow. Um, and it was our oatmeal milk stout because um, we figured, you know, we could, you know, big, dark, chewy beer like that, you know, cover up a lot of sins. Can't go wrong there. Yeah, and, uh, and but everything and anything that could go wrong <laughs> did go wrong. Oh, no. And we ended up dumping it. Oh. Um, and it, it, you know, you think... Well, you know, we spent all this time and energy into making this batch. You know, can't we salvage it of, uh, in some sort? 
and we just made the decision that we'd rather have the product reflect who we really are mm-hmm. than rather try to cheap out on people, serve them an inferior product that we don't you know, <laughs> feel like it's worthy of putting our name behind it, of yep. saying this is our best work. So we just chalked it up to experience, and as our, our CFO always says, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn something from it. Uh, if you don't learn something from it, then it truly is a waste. Right. Um, so uh, that went down the went down the drain. Um, the second batch we did um, was supposed to be an IPA, and it turned into a pale ale. Um, so we, we hadn't gotten our efficiency uh, numbers down yet, and uh, our crush on our mill wasn't exactly where it needed to be. Okay. Uh, but I think finally the third or fourth batch that we did, we finally were getting the efficiencies that we were looking for. Uh, and, uh, you know, and uh, just been running with the same type of efficiency since and been happy with how things have been coming out. Yeah, your beers are great, so oh, thank you. I'm not going to complain there at all. <laughs> so have you guys expanded at all since you've been here? Uh, yes. Um, we've, uh, had, we've already doubled the amount of fermenters uh, mm-hmm. that we opened with. We opened with three... Uh, ten barrel fermenters. Uh, now we have six, wow. and uh, we've also added two more serving tanks, so we're up to eight. Uh, and then uh, we also took over the lease for the building uh, to the west of us. Um, that way, with uh, and turn that into a, a small office, sure. uh, so we can get stuff done. And also, where you know we have some of our storage because as we've been expanding into the brew room, it's taken away from storage that the tap room uh, was using it for. Yep. Uh, so. Uh, it was, you know, in both instances, uh, really good ideas on, on both ends and has you know, helped out a lot. And now we don't worry about running out of beer. You guys have a big tap room as well. You guys can handle a lot of people. Do you guys have a back, a back patio at all? Or? Yes. Um, our back patio, uh, we put uh, AstroTurf essentially down on an old parking lot. Nice. Turned it into a small little beer garden. Uh, that we have a couple of tables for, for people to sit, but the, the main draw out there seems to be the cornhole boards. Nice. And uh, so we have a, a, uh, we have two two sets that we keep out there. And uh, normally, when it's a, a nice, warm, you know, pleasant day, you, you're gonna find a, a a lot of people out there. And we have cornhole tournaments every Wednesday, uh, starting at six o'clock. Very cool. Wednesdays at six. Wednesdays awesome. at six, and uh, there's gift cards for the winners. So very it's, cool. Uh, it's worth your while. So tell me a little bit. Let's go back to your beers a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Do you experiment around a lot, or do you use like a very scientific mathematical formula? And are you different than other brewers here? Do you kind of kind of see your I mean um, I don't I don't have uh, I don't have we, we don't have a pilot system sure and uh, so when we when we brew something if it's going to be a new recipe you know I, I'm just doing a lot of research on it to make sure that whatever it's it's going to be is is, is, <laughs> is going to be good yep um, that you know sometimes when you have a, a low mark and a high mark sometimes it's it's okay to shoot for the middle, you know, for the first batch and, yep. you know, see how it turns out. And then you can tweak it the next time around, depending on uh, on how you like it. Are you guys constantly tweaking your recipes? Um, some of them, yes. Uh, some of them we, we leave alone because yep. it's, um, you know, I equate it a lot to, um, let's say you want to draw a, a sunset of a, of a lake uh, or a sunset over a lake that you have an idea of how orange you want that sky to be. You have an idea of whether there's a bird floating on the water. Mm-hmm. You have an idea of whether there's a pier jetting out into the side of it. And if you're able to paint something that's really, really close to what you see in your mind, then 
you know, you did a, you did a pretty good job, mm -hmm. um, and you don't really need to mess with it because sometimes by messing with it, you'll just muddy it and um, you know make it even further from where you wanted it to be. Absolutely. Uh, so some of our some of our beers, I, I feel we've gotten really really close to kind of the, the vision I had in, in my mind about them, uh, and then other ones, it's just like, well, eh, I could use a little bit more of this, could use a little bit more of that, and uh, and we tweak them over time. So. Uh, there is a little bit of batch to batch variability on on some of them, but mm -hmm. um, you know. But one of the things that we do is we also try to keep a rotating uh, tap list going as well, where um, we have the ability to have twelve beers on tap. Um, we rarely get to there because people drink us out of them so quickly, uh, which is a good problem to have, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, you know, we try to have six uh, standards on all the time that we're constantly brewing, and then we try to have six uh, that are that are different, that are either one-time brews or you know two or three-time brews. I mean, there's been a couple of beers where I only intended to brew them uh, once. Um, our double IPA, for instance, um, I intended just to brew that one time, just to have it be a kind of new, uh, you know, a, a, a new beer there. Uh, and it was, it turned into one of our most popular ones, and people would not let me not brew it again. Wow. Uh, and so we've, we, we only wanted to have five standards when we opened it, and that turned into the sixth. But I keep telling her, but, you know, but... I, I keep telling everyone I can't make it seven. I can't make it eight. I yep. can't make it nine. I got. I, I, I got. I got. I got. Yeah. There's limited space, and I got to set the line somewhere. Um, and so it doesn't mean that I won't necessarily brew something ever again, um, but uh, just won't be on a consistent basis. But sure. I mean, that's again goes back to where we are. That it's about trying new things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, expanding the your horizons. You know, personally or uh, whatever uh, you want to accomplish. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get back to it. And, you know, the other ones we're making, are, I like to think, are pretty good, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what beers are, is Joyride best known for? Um, I'd say uh, the Double IPA is probably one of our uh, most well-known ones. Let's make it a little bit more broader. What style of beer? Um, is, there, is there really kind of a defined style that... I mean, uh, it, we, we don't have too many accounts out there right now, yep. so we don't have, like, a, a true flagship beer. Um, when, when, they're on, when, they're on, when they're on tap, our, our Kohlschar IPA and our Double IPA are usually the most popular. Okay. Um, but that's also assuming that there's nothing new um, on the tap list. Uh, yep. we, you know, we have a pretty dedicated set of regulars that, that come in here, and, you know, one of the things we hear all the time, I guess if you're going to ask what are we really known for, I would say uh, that there's always something new. That's cool. Uh, that, uh, and there's always something that's tasty and, you know, always something new to try. Uh, so recently we um, started a Bob Dylan series uh, where I wanted to brew five beers based off five of his albums and try to make them very starkly different and unique. Um, just like if you listen to the five albums uh, that I had, I had selected, um, they're very different and unique in their own way, especially when you pull into Dylan's history of what was going on with him during that time. So I wanted to have that reflect um, not only his personal life, but also the music that he laid down on, on the track. So um, the series has been in, in incredibly popular uh, so far um, with two of the beers um, probably that are going to compete for the fastest we've ever emptied a tank, uh, being uh, Blood on the Tracks, India Red, uh, ale and uh, blonde on Belgian blonde with apricots. Um, so 
Uh, and then we also have Bringing It All Back Home Sour IPA uh, that's on tap. Uh, Highway 61 Black French Saison will be out in probably a week or so. And uh, yesterday we brewed a Freewheel and Experimental IPA uh, with Experimental Hoppo 7270. Uh, so... Um, all of them should be very, very different. I'm hoping that we'll be able to have all five on tap at the same time. Um, I think I may have to keg off a, a keg of the, the blonde and the uh, and, and the blood on the tracks just to save it, just to be able to accomplish that. Sure. Uh, but uh, it, it would be a nice goal to have all five of them on at the same time and, and do the Dylan flight. That'd be awesome. Um, I, I feel like that'd be really fun. So. You know, I think uh, the more that we play around with things and uh, become more comfortable with what we're doing, um, you know, we're, we're going to be coming out with even more, uh, you know, beers like that that are going to kind of take over the tap room for a little while. And, uh, you know, if anything, what we're known for, it's just going to be that, that change uh, and uh, new things coming aboard. But, uh, you know, but uh, in our, from our standard standpoint, Kolsch, our IPA, our double IPA, definitely the, the best sellers. Excellent. So what's been a beer that has surprised you the most, um, whether it be sales or flavor or difficulty to make even? Um, <laughs> well, di- difficulty to make, um, currently, currently our highest rated beer on Untapped is our uh, Blucifer Belgian Golden Strong Ale. And uh, it was a delicious beer, but it was, as the name you know would imply, it was a devil <laughs> to make. Um, and it was actually named after the uh, blue horse at DIA oh, okay. uh, that greets you with the uh, demon red eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, not not that it was quite the same level of hardship that they experienced, <laughs> but um, while the artist was making that horse, it actually fell over and crushed him to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and but uh, but that beer was just a, a devil for us to make. It, it took forever to ferment out and to get as dry as it needed to. I needed to repitch yeast in it something like two or three <coughs> times. Um, and uh, Gosh. it was uh, so it was it was a uh, it, it was pretty rough. But when it came out, it was it was darn good, and it it, it flew off the shelves. Uh, and like I said, it's currently our high, highest rated beer on, on Untapped, and it's probably one of the most frequent beers we get asked about in the tap room of when we're bringing that one back. So that one really surprised me just on the on the difficulty of it. Um, as as far as sales, uh, I think that the double IPA really surprised me. That you know, I know that you know hops are currently majorly in vogue right now, and nobody can can get enough, but. Uh, just uh, the the speed that our double IPA goes out because it, we we keep it right around nine percent. Wow! Uh, and we uh, we yep. serve we serve it in a ten ounce snifter glass, um, just so people don't get too carried away with themselves. Mm-hmm. Like to you know promote you know responsibility in there too. Um, but just the you know the speed that those you know go through has has surprised me as well. Do you guys usually do a lot of stout supporters? I know your first beer here was a disaster. That was one, <laughs> but uh, but since then, I mean, because right now all of your beers you don't have a dark on. Right. Yeah. And so um, one of our standards is uh, Bear Paw Oatmeal Milk Stout. Okay. Uh, which is uh, based off of one of my homebrew recipes, and uh, essentially, you know, Bear Paw is a, a very consistent seller for us that we know generally. You know, give or take here, you know, a little bit. We know what the sales are gonna be like on a daily, weekly basis, so we can judge pretty well on when we need to brew it again. Yep. Um, but 
partially to blame to that uh, awesome spring weather we've had here in Colorado the past couple of weeks. Right. The the sales of bear paw went through the roof um, when it was cold and rainy and mm-hmm. um, when we were expecting it to be a little bit nicer and we had brewed you know a couple of spring beers mm-hmm. to kind of match that season. All of a sudden, bear paw goes through the roof, and uh, we couldn't brew a new batch of it fast enough in order to to keep it from going Gosh. off the tap. Um, so, uh, but uh, that should be back. We're carbonating it right now, so it should be back out in a couple of days. Uh, once Excellent. we give it a little bit of time to condition, uh, we're probably gonna serve it on nitro. This batch completely on nitro, uh, which will be uh, pretty delicious. We we put a keg or two of it on. Uh, for the last batch, really liked what it did, so I think we're going to do it for the entire batch. Uh, and then uh, over Christmas time, we uh, came out with two porters uh, called Naughty and Nice. Um, <laughs> Naughty was uh, brewed with uh, sweet and tart cherries as well as uh, cocoa nips, nice. and Nice was brewed with uh, uh, Madagascar vanilla beans and, uh, and uh, American oak. Uh, nice. So both of them uh, were, were, were really, really good. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it was kind of kind of interesting when people would look at them and you know they'd have to decide whether they were naughty or nice (laughs) that is a difficult choice too a a fun little experiment there and but we we try to we try to mix it up we definitely have a little bit more of a springtime lineup right now with a a little bit of lighter stuff Um, I just got back from uh, craft brewers conference in Portland so um, you know everybody's hop crazy up there so brought a little bit of that back with me um, so we have a little bit more hoppy stuff than what we normally have on right now, with essentially four, you know, four iterations of an IPA uh, on the board right now. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's always going to be changing, and uh, dark beers will be a part of that. The next beer that we're releasing in the Dylan series is a, a black French saison, so I'll have a you know dark beer there that won't necessarily taste dark. Uh, so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward. I had a taste from the tank about an hour ago, uh, and it's it, it, it's going to be a good one. Sweet. So you generally have a a beer for every palate. Pretty much. We uh, we try to try to have one for everybody. Um, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, you can't be uh, everything to everybody. Uh, yep. And uh, yeah, but that's what part of the discovery of going around to different breweries and trying different things and having new experiences is all about. And um, sometimes you find a you find a winner, and uh, sometimes it you know isn't necessarily your style, but it's still worth the adventure. And mm-hmm. again, that's part of the uh, part of the journey. So tell me a little bit about the future of Joyride. Currently, we're working on plans with the city of Edgewater to install a rooftop patio uh, over our. Uh, oh, that'll be an amazing view of the lake. Yeah, it'll be on the east side of our tap room, so it'll overlook the lake. Um, we're thinking that we'll be able to uh, get a capacity of about 40 up there, so it'll um, expand our uh, overall capacity um, by about 40% if you don't count the beer garden. Wow. Um, and uh, we're going to have a full bar, fire pit, cabana area up there. Uh, should be uh, sh- should be a lot of fun. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, so that's one of the um, you know big plans that, that we're working on. Um, we'd also eventually like to get into... Uh, some light canning, yep. uh, you know, and working with one of the local mobile canning units. Um, we, uh, you, you were just back in uh, my brew room. We're running out of space back there at, yep. a, at a very rapid clip. Uh, well, we'd have to rent that for a little while. Um, if uh, things things keep going, we'd definitely be interested in getting into it more. Yep. 
um, and maybe getting space elsewhere, um, getting more of a production level equipment, canning line, bottling line. Yep. Um, Do you guys bottle at all now? No. Bombers? No. Okay. Um, we, we have a couple of keg accounts around the city. Very cool. Uh, but uh, CR distributing. Yeah. Very, very light. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're able to take care of the tap room first. Sure. Uh, but we do have a couple of accounts th- throughout the city. Uh, but personally, I'm much more interested in doing cans uh, than, than bottles. I think other than presentation, the can is a superior vessel to a bottle in every single way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there is something to that presentation factor that, that I talked about, you know, especially, um, you know, 750 mil, you know, Belgian cork bottle. You know, you go over to a buddy's house to celebrate a wedding, a, a birth of a new child, a new job, something like that. You know, the, the whole ceremony of, you know, taking the cage off, popping the cork and hear, <laughs> hearing the sound, pouring it into, a, you know, a nice fancy glass, uh, which we should be doing every time anyway, um, <laughs> you know, versus just going, yep. you know, it, there's just something a little more to it. So I'd be more interested in doing... Uh, Belgian cork bottles as, as a secondary uh, distribution uh, vessel, but primarily just focus on cans. Very cool. So being in the location that you're at, do you guys cater to families, and how about animals or pets? Um, yes and yes. Uh, Very so, cool. So uh, pretty much, uh, you know, or not pretty much, but you know, everyone's welcome, uh, you know, at Joyride if you're above age and not trying to use a big ID, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I guess that's the, where the so pretty much comes lot, in. You yeah. do a lot of dogs and stuff in here? Yeah, we have a lot of dogs in here, um, and uh, we've got cookies and water dishes and uh, you know, everything Excellent. like that. So we try to make the dogs comfortable here, too, make sure they're having a good time. And it's pretty funny. A lot of people in the area, uh, you know, they take their dogs for a walk around the lake. And we'll see them when they're crossing over Sheridan back into Edgewater, and you'll see the dog start pulling them towards the brewery. Uh, because, the, you know, the dog knows he's got to get a belly scratch, and he's got to get a cookie, and, you know, get a, you know, get a little bit of attention when he comes in here. And, and they're like, no, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not even open yet. And they, and they have to start pulling them the other way. Uh, so we have, have a lot of dogs, and then, you know, families as well. We, we don't have uh, anything other than beer or water. Uh, for for drinks, but people are welcome to bring in any uh, non-alcoholic beverage that that they'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, you and know, you have quite a few uh, games over there as well for kids. Yeah, kids absolutely. Play. We got uh, Candyland. Um, I think we got like yeah, SpongeBob Life um, or something like that. Um, and you know, of course, Connect Four. You can't go wrong with Connect Four. Absolutely not. Um, I still play Connect Four. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I, I have a couple of friends with some real young ones. And, you know, it's not, they're not even playing with it. They just like putting it in the top and watching it fall down <laughs> and then pulling it at the bottom and watching them fall all over the place. I get a good kick out of that. So um, we definitely want it to be a, a place to, for, where people can feel comfortable. I, I went to a seminar one time um, talking about how to make, well, a little bit of the seminar was about making your place a little bit more appealing to, to families. And they essentially said that if mom and dad can have two pints You've done a re- two pints each. You've done a really good job because normally they only have time for one before the meltdown comes. Nice. Um, and uh, you know we uh, and a lot of times uh, we see mom and dad getting more than two. So I guess, I guess we're doing a, doing an okay job of keeping them uh, entertained and 
Um, or, or maybe our beer is just so good that mom and dad don't care about what, yep. uh, <laughs> what, what Johnny's do. <laughs> Who knows? I guess that's open to interpretation. <laughs> so tell me what this shake and roll thing is that you have going on. Uh, so shake and roll is a, is a game that one of our owners brought with them from somewhere. Yep. Uh, but essentially, uh, you can play for uh, a dollar a day, uh, and uh, um, you shake uh, uh, five dice, and if you get uh, and you only get one roll, and if you get a Yahtzee, you get the pot. Nice. Um, but we donate ten percent of the pot to charity, and it's to charity of uh, your choosing if you're the winner. Very cool. And uh, and then we have other aspects into it. If you get a straight, I think you get a, a free beer, and if you get a full house, you get a second roll. Um, so essentially, you're just looking for a Yahtzee, a straight, or a full house just in, in one roll. Um, and uh, so it's just a it's a it's fun little game and. Uh, a lot of people are just like, oh, I want to buy the bar round right now and <laughs> shake it in there. And, um, so it's good. Essentially, every single time that you're, you're playing, you're donating 10 cents to somebody's charity. Excellent. Um, so we, we think it's a pretty cool little thing and uh, make a, another unique aspect of the tap room, I suppose. Very cool. So is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that you'd like to make mention? I mean, Wednesday night you have tournaments for Cornhole. Yeah, Monday night we have Euchre tournaments. Um, for those who don't know, Euchre's a card game uh, that's um, very, very popular back in the Midwest. Um, you know, as, as we know in Colorado, uh, the, uh, everyone's from, from somewhere originally, and there's a pretty large uh, Midwest contingency uh, around here, and, and, they, and they all just go crazy for Euchre. Um, so again, we do uh, gift certificates for the, for the winners. And then Tuesday nights we do trivia. Um, with our bar manager, uh, Billy, who puts everything together. And that's, cool. a, that's always a, a really good time. Uh, Wednesdays is cornhole tournaments. During the winter, uh, when we can't play cornhole outside, we'll have uh, live music come in. And then uh, Thursday nights, we do bike rides around uh, Sloan's Lake. Uh, we meet next door at Yop Cyclery. Uh, that's Y-A-W-P. Uh, and we, we meet there usually around his closing time, um, you know, 645. Um, usually on the road by 7.15. Uh, do two laps around normally, and then everybody gets happy hour the rest of the night. Um, we have food trucks here every single day, uh, unless they get a flat tire on the way and you know, can't get it fixed in time. Uh, and so um, you don't, uh, and you can bring in any type of food that you'd like as well. Um, we have delivery menus. Uh, you can bring in a picnic basket. It uh, doesn't matter. Um, cool. you know, we just concentrate on the beer and let uh, other people do what they do well. Excellent. So you guys are open every day of the week. We're open uh, every day of the week. Open at noon Monday through Thursday, and open at eleven on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So how can we find you via social media? Social media: we're at Joyride Brewing uh, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Instagram, and Untapped as well. Okay. Uh, and then website is JoyrideBrewing.com. Very cool. So um, one last thing that we have, and it sounds like you're not familiar with this, so this is great. Um, you're not familiar with anything that I'm about to do or any questions okay. that I'm about to ask, are you? Just no, need to ask. No. Perfect. Not, so no, we're going to do... Now you've piqued my interest. Right? We're going <laughs> to do lightning round, question round. As our audience knows, the, um, at the end of the year, we're going to take the times and we're going to look at it. The winner, the fastest time is the winner, and there's going to get a prize from I Love Colorado Beer. Oh, jeez. Okay. So you better be quick. Um, answer as fast as you can. I'm going to give you a chance to go ahead and come back to any questions if you feel like you answered incorrectly or if you answered and you want to kind of follow up on your and explain a little bit more. So 
As soon as I start asking questions, timer starts and you're ready. Okay. All right. What is the most difficult beer you've ever made and why? Uh, Blucifer because it uh, took forever and I uh, couldn't get to attenuate. Do you prefer cans or bottles? Cans. Favorite beer in the world? Um, anything from Cantillon. Best brewery in the world? Cantillon. What's more fun, blondes or reds? Uh, I'm married to a blonde. <laughs> What's more fun, home brewing or commercial brewing? Commercial. What's so great about beer? Everything. What country makes the best beer? The United States. How frequently do you have to kick someone out because they're too drunk? Uh, me, personally, not that often because I just brew the beer and I let uh, my uh, bar people take care of that. <laughs> Is Budweiser actually the king of beer? No. Ales or lagers? Ales. What's worse, a skunk or a skunky beer? Since I have a dog, I'll, I'll go with skunk. <laughs> in the movie Strange Brew, what did Doug and Bob claim to have found in a beer bottle? Uh, I haven't seen that in forever. I'll pass. Done. 56 seconds. 56 not, seconds. <laughs> not, not, not bad, I, I guess. But then again, I don't know what the other times are. So. <laughs> well, you have to check out our website, listen to the rest of them, and find out the times. So, um, so in the movie Strange Brew, Doug and Bob claim to have found a mouse. Ah, ah, yeah. bummer. Yeah. Right on. No, well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you. And our audience thanks you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. We'd like to thank David at Joy Ride for letting us interview him. Remember to check out our website at ilovecoloradobeer.com.